0: We are on our last on our last uh, study this this month on the perfect man, and I am been blessed in just studying it myself. Amen. And I'm so grateful for our new projector. You can all see it now without me turning off the lights and everything. Amen. And we're going to look today at the perfect mediator. The Bible says that we needed a media, and we're going to go into a little bit of depth on that, and maybe I might um, teach on it on Tuesday night a little bit more. Um, The Bible says in Hebrews 7, 19, for the law made nothing perfect. That sounds strange, doesn't it? It does sound strange. The Bible says the law made nothing perfect, but what it did do is the bringing in of a better hope did. The law just pointed to Christ, it let us know what it took to try and be perfect in and of ourselves, but it was an impossibility. So many times I, I think about myself and all of the the mistakes I've made and the flaws that I have, and I have to struggle. <laughs> it is a struggle to to to, uh, to overcome that and remember that through Christ I am made perfect. If I look at my flesh, if I look at my past, if I look at my mistakes. I, I tend to 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 want to just go hide somewhere, you know, because the law just brought in condemnation. It showed us what we couldn't live up to. And for a while, the Pharisees and those uh, public, uh, not publicans, but the Pharisees and the Sadducees thought that all you had to do was look good. We can all look good, right? We can all look like we're doing the right thing, but... That's the key. God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God really looks at the heart. That's why sometimes when, you know, as the world calls them some great men fail or it's a shock because all we saw was the outside and what they were doing and what they achieved, but inside it was a different matter. So Hebrews tells us that the law made nothing perfect. So we can't get into legalism to be made perfect. Legalism will not make you perfect. All it will do is prove that you cannot be perfect because you will fail. They thought, the Pharisees, that if we did it externally, if I came to church, showed a face, if I paid my tithes and offering, that made me perfect. But Jesus was saying, no, it's what's inside. It's what's inside. He said, inside, you're like dead men's bones. You're, you're like a really pretty tomb. But inside is Corruption. And so the law could not make anyone perfect. Now why did the law, which Paul says was a good thing, could not make us perfect? And the, the trouble is, is it was our fallen nature. It was our problem why the law could not make us perfect. In Genesis eight thirteen, and I've read this before, when Noah and his family came out of the ark, God said something quite important. And it came to pass in the 600th and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and behold, the face of the ground was dry. So they came out of the ark and Noah, the first, one of the first things he did was give a, an offering, made a burnt offering Unto God of thanksgiving, thank you, Lord. You took us through this flood. You took us through this long season where we had to be in in, in this ark, cooped up with all these animals. You delivered us from death. You showed favor. You gave us grace. And so Noah built an uh, an altar and then offered a burnt offering. And he said, "And Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings." on the altar and this is what happened and it says in genesis 8 21 and the lord smelled a sweet savor and the lord said in his heart i will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake and i put it in red what our problem is for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth you ever looked at someone and just took a dislike to them for no good reason Come on now. Give them that look. Who do they think they are? You know, you don't know them from Adam, but you just decide you will not like them. You know, the Bible says man's heart is evil from his youth. And you can see that as children develop a sense of wrong and right, probably somewhere around the age of two or maybe even one and a half. You tell them no and they're looking at you and they're still going to touch it. And they're looking at you to see what you're going to... And you say, no. And they do like this. They know. And they still go again to, slowly. And some of them will be real sly. They'll wait till you turn around. As that, as that independent judgment starts to develop, as that, as, that, as that willful, sinful nature starts to develop, it starts to come out. God says for the imagination, the thoughts inside of man's heart is evil from his youth i have to i have to stop myself thinking certain things sometimes i craziest thoughts will come into your head you'll have to say where did that come from why am i thinking that i got to change the subject turn the page think of something else crazy that is our problem that is our problem we can look perfect outside but we have to deal with this thing called flesh And the flesh wants to do what it wants to do. It wants pleasure. It wants things for itself. Amen? For the imagination, meaning the thoughts of man's heart, is evil from his youth. So God immediately, when they came out of the ark, God is saying, listen, I'm not going to kill man right away. I'm not going to destroy him for every single thing he does because now he can't help it. Now he's lost the perfection of sonship. Now he's left the garden, and he can't help it. He lost that spiritual covering that made him a son of God. He's now a son of man, and he can't help it. Try as we might, we can get up tomorrow and we say, we're not going to get angry. I'm going to be peaceful. I'm going to smile. I'm going to be happy all day. And the devil is taking notes. The devil is taking notes on you. And you'll go into your job and someone will say just one or two words and just take away your peace. Or someone will call you or you'll get a letter. See, this flesh has a problem. The law could not make anything perfect. And so God already decided that if he was going to judge us immediately, there'd be no flesh left alive. He, he said, listen, for, he says he's not going to curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. We can't help it. We cannot be perfect in ourselves. But God had a plan. God had a plan. He sought, as we taught last week, for a man who could stand in the gap. Someone who could be the mediator. We lost the ability... To come directly to God in the Old Testament. You couldn't come directly to God because God is perfect. We are imperfect. imperfect. Imperfection and perfection can't mix. Right? One will destroy the other. One cannot exist in the presence of the other. Right? Imperfection and perfection can't mix together. And so that's why God had to remove us from his presence he had to remove us from the garden he had to set up a mediator he had to put someone in between a go-between and the law was that go-between to come into to be accepted by God see but the law again suffered from a weakness me and you the law suffered from a weakness. Paul is explaining this in his epistle to the Romans, and he says, for we know that the law is spiritual. It's a spiritual law. It's talking about moral things. It's not talking about physical things for the most part. It's a moral law. It's spiritual. But I am carnal, and that word carnal in the Greek means fleshly. I'm flesh, sold under sin, meaning, again, he's really saying what God said in Genesis 8, that that. I'm corrupted, I, I want to do the right thing, but my desires tend to want to steer me over here. Right? My desires want to pull me in this direction. Things that make me happy. Things that, that give me pleasure. And then he, he says this very famous a few verses. He says, for that which I do, I allow not. He means he gets up and he says, I'm going to do good today. And I don't do it. For what I would, that I do not. What I want to do... Is, Sometimes I don't end up doing. But what I hate, that I do. And this is what condemnation and guilt is. That's why Adam and Eve were hiding when God came to them. Because they realized what they had done. They realized what they had lost. In fact, probably Adam and Eve were the only real people who truly understand what they had lost. The sonship, the glory, the the relationship with God. Imagine just talking with the Creator every day, wanting nothing. They they were kicked out of that guard. They were probably the only two people who truly understand what was lost. And they went and hid. Because they could no longer come before a perfect God. Paul here says in verse 18, For I know that in me, and there it is, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. The flesh without God cannot be perfect. We just cannot. There can be good people from man's standard, but as I said last week, there is none good. Scripture says so. Therefore, God does not have to answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? For, for From God's perspective and what the Bible tells us, there is none good. We all deserve death. That's a bit harsh, you say? It's a bit harsh, but if God was to judge us based upon his law, there'd be no flesh left alive. That's why he said after Noah came out, he says, I will no longer curse the earth for man's sake because he can't help it. It's like when you go to trial and they find someone is mentally incapable, they don't, they don't usually execute them because they can't help it. They don't even understand what they're doing. On the cross, Jesus said to the soldiers, Father, forgive them because they don't really know what they're doing. So for I know that in me, Paul says, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will, that means I want to do the right thing, is present, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good I would, I do not. But the evil I wish, I wish, which I would not, that I sometimes I end up doing. And by evil, he's not talking about going and killing some, somebody. He's just saying some things like lack of faith. Lack of faith is a sin. Just, just not believing God is a sin. Just, just letting your mind wander into things that you shouldn't be thinking about. Just looking at somebody. The Bible says if you, if you hate your brother, you're as good as a murderer. Jesus said just to look at a woman in a lustful way is as if you've already committed adultery. Nobody may know that, but God does. That's, how, that's the standard that God was, was looking at us. With. But he said, if I do that, there won't be no flesh. So God gave the law to show us how to be perfect, and what it took to be perfect, but none of us could actually do it. It was a shadow. That's what Paul in in the writer of Hebrews says this, for the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image. They sacrificed lambs in order to, to take an innocent blood and... In other words, cleanse their sin. It wasn't the the real thing. The real thing was when the Lamb of God came and sacrificed His blood. But so the law, all the the ceremonies was just a shadow, but it wasn't the very thing, so it could not fix it. It says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually Make the comers thereunto perfect. That's our theme this, this morning. And this month, it's been about perfection. The perfect man. What this scripture is saying, and Paul is trying to explain, the writer of Hebrews is trying to explain, that although the law, although the law was good, we couldn't perfectly follow it. We could maybe look on the external like we were following it. On the external, you, you, may, you may think, uh, uh, you know, I don't have any fights. I don't have anything temptations, but I have to. I have to fight just like you. Yeah, amen. amen. And so we see, Paul is here saying that it's. It was just a shadow. It wasn't the image. And in fact, the commandments ended up still bringing death, still bringing death. I'm going to take a little sidetrack here, which I'm going to maybe teach on in much more depth on Tuesday night. And I've taught this before, but for those who have not heard me explain this, and this is this is my teaching. It's a little bit different to, to how some people understand. But when you look at the Old Testament, it is extremely harsh, isn't it? It seems as if the law was very tough. And we're going to look at that. In Numbers 15, 32... Not long after Moses had come down with the Ten Commandments and all the law, here's what happened. It says, And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they had found him gathering sticks, brought him unto Moses and Aaron, and unto the congregation. And they put him in a ward. That means they locked him up. Because it was not declared what should be done to him. That's an amazing verse. God had given the law, but as I've taught before, he had never told them what to do, what to do with anyone who broke the law. That's what the scripture is telling us. It said it had not been declared. It had not been said. God had not said what should be done with him. At that point, at that point, up to that point. Because when you go to verse 35, it then says Moses went and, well, what should we do with him? He's broken your law. And it says, and the Lord said unto Moses, the man shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. Now, I want you to go back to here. What did it say about the law? What did it call it in Hebrews? Shadow, not the image. A shadow, not the image. You've got to remember that. The law was a shadow and not the image. What image is it speaking about? God. 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 One of God's attributes is perfect justice. The law was the shadow of justice, but it wasn't the whole image. It was a shadow, not the very image. Do you see what it says? And not the very image was a shadow. We need to have justice. You can't live in this world without justice. Justice is the needs. But if you have justice alone, it ends up very harsh. God had not told them what to do with this when anyone broke the law. Not when he gave it. They didn't know what to do. They took the man. They put him in, locked him up. And the whole congregation brought him to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation. And if you read it, Moses didn't know what to do either. He had to ask. So that tells you that when he was on Mount Sinai... He hadn't been told. Today when they make a law, it comes in two parts. The statute, which is the part that says thou shalt not, and then you have the punishment. If you do, this is what happens to you. But when God gave the law on Mount Sinai, he only gave one part. He only gave the statute. He did not give the punishment. He did not give the punishment. You know why, and I've told you this before. See who remembers? Why did God not have to give the punishment? Everybody was still going to die. In Romans it says it says, even though we did not sin after the similitude of Adam, it says, nevertheless, death reigned. Everybody was still going to die, and why was everybody going to die? Because of sin. God did not have to say you're going to have to kill somebody because everybody was going to die because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But they thought, okay, we got to do something. He's broken God's law. So it says, and the Lord, capital letters, so when you see capital letters in the Hebrew, it's Jehovah. So it appears here that they went and asked God, What should we do with him? And it looks as if God said you need to stone him. Now why didn't God tell him that at the beginning? (laughs) Well, I'm going to explain. And now this is my, this is my exegesis. So if it doesn't suit you, but to me this is what the Lord gave me as a revelation. The Bible tells us in so many places that the law, was mediated carried out by angels and God tells them when they when they're coming out of Egypt remember now God can't deal directly with man at this point why because he's perfect and we're not and if we come into his presence we're going to die because we're not perfect and perfection is the only thing allowed in God's presence Behold, he tells the children of Israel as they're coming out of Egypt, and I will go into much more detail Tuesday. He says, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way. It means he's setting up a mediator. He's telling them, I'm going to send a go-between who is going to take you from Egypt all the way to the promised land. And he gives some instructions. He's going to keep thee. He's going to be there to make sure... You stay in the right way. And to bring thee into the place that I have prepared, beware of him. Another one of those amazing verses. God is warning them, beware of him. Obey his voice. Provoke him not. Don't disobey anything he says. For he will not forgive you. Why? Because my name, which is what at that point, Jehovah the I am the almighty El Shaddai my name is in him the angel of the Lord so what I'm saying to you when they said and the Lord said to Moses the man shall surely put to death that that was not God directly it was the angel of the Lord because God had not told them what to do they had no idea And God didn't have to tell him what to do because death was instituted from the garden. The day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And immediately, the Shekinah covering, the glory of God, the Holy Spirit, left. Adam became mortal. Eve became mortal. And after 930 years, he died. And death reigned. That's what it says in Romans. This is the thing about the law. The commandments just made it clearer. The commandments brought death, not perfection. The thing that should have been able to make a bright line and show us wrong and right, instead, because we were incapable, it just made death even quicker. That's what happened. It made death quicker. For this man picking up sticks, it made death come quicker because the angel was just the shadow uh, not the image. He was just the mediator. He was just the shadow. The part that he was was the, the justice of God. All he could do was pronounce justice. God had told him in Exodus 23, 21, Beware of him. Obey his voice. Provoke him not. For he, he, he doesn't have the power. He cannot give grace because he's just the shadow. But if thou indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine enemies. Adversaries. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee into the Amorites and Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hevites and the Jebusites and I will cut them off. Now it doesn't tell us the name of the angel here. But in the book of Daniel it does. In, in chapter 12 it says. And at that time shall Michael. And that name means the one who is like God. That's why it's got the L in it. And so God deputized an archangel. And the, it was called the angel of the Lord. Because God gave him that name. And they called him Lord. Now Tuesday night I will give you a lot more scriptures and explain more. But the angels were, not, were far from perfect. That was the problem, too. They could not be a good image. They were just the shadow. Can you recognize someone really good from their shadow alone? No. No, in fact, you'll get a very distorted picture of who someone is if it's just their shadow. You, you get no sense of anything, really. It's such a poor representation. That's what the scripture is telling us of what the, the law was it was but a shadow. All, all it did was show one part of God's attribute, his justice and judgment. And in fact it says in Hebrews chapter two, verse two, it says, For if the words spoken by angels, when did the angels speak? Numbers fifteen, thirty-five. What does it say? Let's read it. And the Lord said. Now, because it left out the word angel of the Lord, but that's what I'm, I'm telling you is, is what it means. In Hebrews it says, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression, there was no, no excuses, no mercy, and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. He calls it just because sin punished is just. But if that's all God was, we would be still dead in our trespasses and sins. The mediator was imperfect because he could only show the shadow. He could not show God's love, God's grace, God's mercy. And in fact, in Job 4.18, the Bible tells us that, Behold, he put no trust in his servants. And his angels he charged with folly. God was not happy with any of the mediators that were in the Old Testament. All of them, to some degree, Did not represent him properly. All of them could not really fill the gap. Paul is explaining to the Galatians why this happened. He says, wherefore then serveth the law. What good was this law then? If it's just a shadow. It said it was added because of transgressions or because of rebellions. It was there to draw the line. To show where we really were. You know, if there's no line, you can kind of fuzzy. Well, I think I'm okay right it was there to draw the line till the seed the one who was pros- prophesied in genesis 315 should come to whom the promise was made the promise was made that he shall crush his head it was there until it was a stopgap it was there until god's full timing where he could bring forth the promised seed who would fulfill the promise given to to adam and eve that she would have us, through the woman there would come a, a, a son who would crush his head. But here, it, until then, it says the law, what serveth the law? It was added because of transgression, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained, in other words, it was carried out, the law that is, by angels in the hand of the mediator. That means it came from God to the angels. And then the angels relate it to Moses. In Acts chapter 7 verse 42, you'll find that when Stephen was before the Sanhedrin and he was recalling the history of the Jews, he said the angel that spoke to Moses from the bush and told him I am. He could say that because the Lord said my name is in him. They were imperfect. The imperfect mediators, the problem was... They were not created in His image. Who was created in His image? That's right. Adam was. Adam was created in His image. Mankind, as 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 God's plan was, was created in His image and likeness. The angels were not, and so they were just the shadow of the of the perfection that was to come. In fact, in Galatians, in the um, NI NI, New International Revised Version puts it in modern English. It says this. Then what was the purpose of the law? It was added because of human sin, and it was supposed to control us until the promised seed had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a go-between. The go-between there was Moses, and he did really, really good. It's like I said last week, chicken neck. He did really, really good. He got to where he got up and and saw the promised land. That must have been such a devastation to Moses. Forty years leading these terrible people. (laughs) Leading these terrible... I was somewhere... I can't remember where I heard someone was speaking about his job. I don't know if it was saying, you know, you want my job? Sure, you come and take over... Leading two million people. <laughs> See, he, even he failed, lost his cool. They provoked him, you know. So, but, so the law, the Bible tells us, was, was ordained all of the Old Testament. That's why people couldn't come near God. God was too perfect. Could not come near God. We could not be in the presence of God because we are imperfect, so he had mediators, angelic mediators, and then human mediators. But all of them failed to some degree. In the Bible, in basic English, I have put another verse that says, What then is the law? It was an, ad- an addition made because of sin, till the coming of the seed to whom the undertaking had been given. And it was ordered, that is the law, through angels. Through angels. It was ordered through angels. So, what I'm trying to say is the explanation of the Old Testament is wherever you see it say Lord, 99% of the time it's speaking about the angel of the Lord. Whenever someone spoke to God directly, guess what happened? No, they got mercy. When you speak to the angel, you get no mercy. No mercy. I'm afraid you cannot pray to Mary or any saints and expect anything. We'll get to there, but the Bible does say there is only one mediator. I'm not your mediator. There is one mediator, Sister Brownie. Yes, David is a good example because he obtained... Now, he did some terrible things. He murdered someone, and yet he did not die. Why? Why? Because he bypassed the angel. (laughs) He went directly to God. If it had been up to the angel, there would have been no mercy. There would have been no mercy. In the Old Testament, we see every now and then some people getting mercy. Cain killed his brother. He appealed to God and said, the punishment is too great. And God said, okay, I'm not going to let you die right now. Because you're going to die anyway, but it's not going to be immediate. It's not going to be immediate. They were not perfect because they were not in his image. But Christ is the image. Look what 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image. He's not just the shadow. He is the image. And because he's the image, he reveals to us the full nature of God that's possible, at least in the flesh. Amen. Giving thanks, Colossians 1, 12, giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us meet. That means he's made us qualified. He's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life who hath delivered us. Say that word, delivered us. From the power of darkness. And hath translated us, that means moved us, lifted us up into the kingdom of his dear son. Isn't that awesome? Because Jesus is the image, he's not the shadow, he's the image. He can show, he can deliver the perfection which the law, which the angels, which Moses, which none of them Old Testament people, as good and as great as they were, they couldn't do it. Because when it came down to it, they were imperfect. It says, in whom we have redemption. I needed redemption. You needed redemption. Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And here it tells us explicitly again, speaking of Jesus who is the image, not the shadow. The image of the invisible God. He is the only visible representation of God that you can see. The firstborn of every creature. So we had to wait till we had the full and perfect mediator, mediator, which was the only one who could help us cross that line which the law drew, which said, hey, you want to do this, let's see how good you are. And I was no good. We can see the, the very difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament in the story about the two disciples when they wanted to bring down fire. Let's read it. Luke chapter 9, 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, that is Jesus, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into the the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. You know why I'm laughing? Because of the picture that comes to my mind. The Bible said he sent messengers to make ready for him. Who's that? Should be us, right? Should be us. He sent messengers to make ready for him. He was coming. But what was their message? That's it. (laughs) That's what I'm laughing about. Their message was Old Testament. Their message was still in the shadow. You better shape up or else you're going to (laughs) die. Now, while it's the truth, that's not what he was trying to tell them. That is the truth. We are going to die if we do not do what God's law commands. But that's not what he told them to tell them. And he sent messengers before his face. They went and entered into the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And as they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, the sons of thunder, the (laughs) hotheads, saw this, they got angry. Let's call down fire. Let's do some Old Testament stuff. Let's get medieval, as they say. And when his disciples, James and John, saw, they said, Lord, wilt thou command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Now, in the Old Testament, that happened. And again, if you read the story of Elias, it was the angel. It was the angel that did it. Because he could give no mercy. He was just the shadow. It wasn't even the image. And the only part of the shadow he reflected was judgment. And his only... His only, only uh, deal was keep them. Keep them. Make sure that they just go from here to here. If they go left or right, you get them. You know, it's like a guard dog. If the owner's not there, there's nothing to call the dog off. The owner has to come and say, stay. Or else, that, what's that dog going to do? He's just going to keep going. And unless the owner comes and says, stay, that dog is just going to keep going. If he's got someone, going to chew him up. This was the angel. His only job was to keep, stay in the, if you stay in the lane, he's going to protect you. But if you go out the lane, he's going to be your enemy. He's going to be your adversary. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John saw it, they said, Lord, will thou command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did. And now here is the image speaking, not the shadow. Under the law, yes but the image says this you don't know what manner of spirit ye are of for the son of man God in flesh did not come to destroy men's lives but to save them and they went to another village you know even in the Old Testament we see God have great mercy and set the example of going to some terrible people some really evil wicked people he sent Jonah. Now, why? Why is that book in the Bible? They were not Jews. Why is that book in the Old Testament? God sending Jonah to Nineveh, to the Assyrians, to go save them. It's an example of God's grace. Because that's why Jonah didn't want to do it. God, these are the enemies of Israel. Israel. These are wicked people. They're the ISIS of his day. They, they, their method of killing people was to flay them, skin them alive, put them on poles. That's what they did when they captured people. They didn't just kill you. They skinned you alive. No wonder Jonah said, no, I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not going in the hood, no. <laughs> no, those people deserve what's happening to them. You can't give them enough of the judgment, God. They deserve everything. But you know what God said to, to, to Jonah, "Don't you know there's 120,000 who don't know left from right, don't know wrong from right in this city. And at the preaching of Jonah, there was a great revival. People repented. That was the image that God wanted to show. And how do I know that? How do I know that? Because Jesus said so. The only sign that shall be given is the sign of Jonah. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy, but to save them. That's the message that we should be doing is he came to save. Just what you said. God loves you. You see, that message of love is God. That's his message. The angel couldn't show love. He couldn't give you a hug. All he could do was fire. That's all he could. That's why today the Bible says the angels are amazed. They can't understand what's happening. This is not how it used to be. And that's why they cannot participate in the gospel because that's not their role. There is no fear. Here's what 1 John 4, 18 says. For there is no fear in love, but perfect love. Remember we're talking about perfection? Perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not yet made perfect. I still have a ways to go. I still have some fears, because love and faith are very much entwined. Because when you love someone, you trust them. You have faith in them. If we perfectly loved, we would have perfect faith. Because we would totally trust God. No matter what our situation, we would know that he loves us. And being God, he is not going to let the outcome be terrible. In the end, it's going to be okay. In the end, it's going to be okay. Because that's what he has promised us. Amen. So we see that in the, the law and the angels and Moses and all of these other characters in the Old Testament, they brought us to Christ, but they had issues. <laughs> you know, all of us have issues. <laughs> I have issues. I try and hide my issues. Maybe you don't know my issues. Maybe my wife knows some more of my issues, and, but we all have issues. Only God knows us and our issues, and that's why we have to give ourselves wholly to him. And trust him in love. In the Old Testament, the mediators all failed. In the New Testament, we see God had finally to come himself. 2 Corinthians 4 4 says, Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So we have people who are sinful, we have Christ on the cross. And then we have a holy God. He became the bridge Amen. that we could come to Christ. In fact, Jesus said, no one can come to the Father but through me. No one. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, no one. Not Confucius, not any of the Hindu religions. Because he is the only mediator. He is the only true image of God. Colossians 1.15 says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, of every creature. And here, 1 Timothy 2, 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator. Not the priest. Not the priest. Between God and man. The man Christ. He had to do it himself. Because no one else could show the full image. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. That's why we can testify. Amen. Amen. That's why we can say, God loves you. Amen. One mediator between God and one mediator between God and men. Sorry. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. The only one who is the image of God. We're talking this month about a perfect man. And I'm laying out to you why the law couldn't make us perfect. And the mediators couldn't make us perfect. It's only in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.1 1, 1 says, God who at sundry times, that means in many times in the past, and in diverse manners, spake in times past unto the fathers through the prophets. But now, he's not speaking through those prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Not an angel. Not an angel, but by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image. Not a shadow, the image. This is why we can have redemption. This is why we can have love. This is why we can be born again. This is why we can be delivered. And he's upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Luke 2.14 says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. When was that said? At the birth of Jesus. It wasn't said until the birth of Jesus. There was enmity, there was separation between men and God. But at the birth of Jesus, the angels announced... Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Goodwill towards men. Jesus came to break down that wall of separation. And I say it nearly every Sunday. When he died, what happened? The veil of the temple ripped in two from the top to the bottom. There was no more separation. Now the veil represented what? What did the veil represent? What was embroidered on the veil? The angels. The angels. In heaven, around the throne is a ring of angels. But you know what? When you get to heaven, they're going to part. Just like how Jesus ripped rip the, the veil, when we get to heaven, the angels that surround the throne are going to make way. Paul says, knowing not that you shall judge angels. Because we are here today serving not the, the shadow, but the one who is the express image of the invisible God. And upholding all things by the word of his power. Do you notice how it phrased that? It didn't say the power of his word, it put the word first because that's Jesus. The word, Jesus, of his power. In fact, in another scripture it says, Christ, the power of God, and also the wisdom of God. When they built the temple, there was a difference between the temple and the tabernacle, they put two towers on either side of the entrance, and they called them Boaz, which is the power of God, and the other one was called the wisdom of God. And the only way you got inside the the temple is you had to pass between the power of God and the wisdom of God, which is Jesus, who being the express image of his person. I'm saying we're not worshiping shadows. We're not worshiping false images, but we're worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The only one who is able to make us perfect. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 1.4 says this, being made so much better than angels. Why? Because he wasn't just about justice and judgment, but he was also about love and grace. It says, speaking about Jesus the Son, it says, being made so much better than angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now that's very interesting. That's very interesting. I'm going to point out something. In the Old Testament, in Exodus twenty-three twenty, God said my name is in him. What was the name? Jehovah. The I am. But here it says, having obtained a more excellent name. How can it have a more excellent name than I am? He is that. But he's also, when the angel Gabriel came and told Mary his name, he says, Thou shalt name him Yeshua or Jesus, for he shall save. It's the saving name. In Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation. There is no other name under heaven. His name saves. If you just have the I am part, you're going to just have justice and judgment. But it says, having obtained a more excellent name than they for unto which of the angels said he at any time thou art my son this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son and again when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world he saith and let all the angels of God worship him Satan said to him look if you throw yourself off he's promised he's gonna the angel's gonna catch you he knew who he was But he had to go through the charade of trying to test him. He knows who you are, but he's still going to come and test you. But I'm telling you this, that if we will humble ourselves, Hebrews 1, 4 says, being made so much better than angels. Do you understand that if you're a son of God, you are being, you're in the process of being made so much better than angels. And you have an inheritance to come. And you're going to have a name. It speaks about it in Revelation. And they had a new name. Hebrews 8, 6. And I'm almost finishing. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry. By how much also he is the mediator of a much better covenant. This covenant speaks mercy and grace. This covenant speaks deliverance. This covenant speaks blessing. This covenant is not in a bunch of rules, but it's in love. Because Jesus said all of this is fulfilled in love. Right? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy mind, soul, heart, and was established on better promises. Hebrews nine fourteen says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? What it's saying is, if you're born of the water and of the spirit, and if you have been washed by the word, you should feel totally free. You should not come into condemnation. You should not have given, because we've been sprinkled by the blood of Christ. If you're feeling a lot of condemnation, it's only two two things. Either you haven't really repented, or you're actually saying, His death can't save me. And that's a terrible thing to think. You're making the cross of none effect. Because the Bible tells me He can save to the uttermost. How far is the uttermost? A lot further than you've been, (laughs) a lot further than you can go. He can save. You can't go further than the uttermost because the Bible tells me that my God can save to the uttermost. Them that come to him, there is still a responsibility on you to come to him, amen? And here's one of my favorite verses. It says, and for this cause, he is the mediator. We're talking about the perfect mediator of the New Testament that by means of death, his death, for the redemption of the transgression, that means paying off the whole thing See, in the Old Testament, you couldn't pay off the whole thing. Every year, you had to bring another sacrifice. Every week, you'd have to bring some sacrifice. It was like one of them debts that the interest keeps going up, and you can never pay it off. Shall I get political now? You know, like Biden canceled all the student debt. Jesus did much better than that. He canceled a debt that we could not pay ever. He canceled a debt that we could not pay. And it's not limited to students. It's not limited to old people. It's whosoever will. And for this cause, he is the mediator, the go between of the New Testament. And that by the means of death, for the redemption of the transcript, he paid off all my sins. Now, when he died, all my sins were future, so don't worry. Even things you have not yet done, he's already paid it off. <laughs> the transgressions that were under the first testament, that means the law which were called might receive, them that which are called might receive the promise of internal inheritance. You see, he had a better thing for us, and another of my favorite scriptures. In Hebrews, it outlines all the heroes of faith. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, speaking about the Old Testament, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, And goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all obtained a good report, not through their works, but because they believed through faith. And yet they did not yet receive the promise, verse 40, God having provided some better thing for us. Remember this is about perfection. That they without us, that they without us should not be made perfect. We're all going to be made perfect together. Amen. Through the death of Christ, hallelujah, through the death, his death on Calvary, we're made perfect. If you can stand with me. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever. Perfected forever. That's why today, the fact that you're here, the fact that I'm speaking to you, the fact that my words, not my words, but his words are washing you, you should have no, you should have no condemnation. You should feel free and light as a feather. Because the scripture says there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh. And that's so easy actually. All it means is what your mind is thinking about. For by one offering he hath perfected forever, forever. It doesn't, you don't have to bring no offering every single uh, sacrifice every, every, every day and bring your, your dove forever. To them that are sanctified. All he's asking you to do is to separate. Give a little space. Give a little space from the things that defile. And if you will do that, he says he has going to perfect you. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. And to the God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. They were not perfect, but Jesus is the perfecter. I'm trying to hurry. Hebrews thirteen twenty one, The Bible says that he's given us the gifts to make you perfect in every good w- work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Last scripture I'm reading, but let patience, this is a hard thing, for someone maybe more than one someone but let patience have her perfect work that he may be perfect it's, it takes patience that he may be perfect and entire wanting nothing amen amen well we've come to the end of this month's uh, talking about the perfect man i hope that you have been edified. I hope you will take some of this and meditate upon it because it's not my words. When the, 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 th- the song says, when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. I get choked up. I can't, I can't read about what God has done and his mercy and his grace. Amen. And if we would just hold that in our thoughts, the Bible says he is able to save to the uttermost. Uttermost. Our situation may still look dire. We may, we may be in a dire physical situation. But if you love him and trust that he loves you, he will bring you out. He will deliver you. He will show you his love. Amen. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you today for your word, because it is light, it is life, hallelujah, Lord, we thank you that you were the perfect mediator, you are the perfect mediator, you are the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, Lord, we submit our will to you today, Lord, we come to you, Lord Jesus, hallelujah, holding nothing back, Lord, we ask for your continued blessing, pour into our lives, help us, oh God, to meditate upon you, to think about your love, hallelujah, to be perfected, hallelujah, by the work and to live in patience waiting for our deliverance. We thank you today. Bless our second service. Speak to our hearts. Accept our worship. We lift up your name and we give you the glory in Jesus' name.